Good evening, church family. Good evening. Oh, so good to see you back in the house of the Lord this evening. Has anybody got any spoken announcements? All right, remember, now, yes. You know, there ain't but two people know how much, or three people that know how much that is. That's Scott and Melanie and the one that lost it. And evidently, the one that lost it don't know they lost it. Pam, you lost it? <laughs> I love finding money that nobody claims. <laughs> Okay, next Sunday afternoon, remember, if you're going to ride the bus, be here, ready to pull out at 3.30, not 3.35, okay? And the baptism, Lord willing, somewhere around 4.30, and then a church-wide picnic and fellowship and fun, and uh, we're looking forward to it. Uh, so far, the count, I think, is up about, uh, let's see, 9, 10, 11, 12, 14, I think, uh, and we might, we were looking for others, too, so... Uh, keep this in mind. Be praying. Every day, be praying. Lord, send us some good weather for next Sunday because he's in charge of it. I'm not, okay? And uh, so we want, we're we looking forward to that and, and uh, excited about it. And I also want to go to tell you about next Sunday morning. Next Sunday morning will be our Lord's Supper. And uh, I want to tell you, go ahead and tell you this so you can be praying for him. Lynn and I will be here. Uh, but it's time that uh, Mac did uh, uh, the Lord's Supper uh, for practice and growing in the Lord. So he will be in charge of doing the Lord's Supper next Sunday morning. So you be praying for Mac. And uh, I just praise God for you, church family, for your faith, your faithfulness, for the way you continue to give. And I had told Lynn before we left, I said, is your car cleaned out enough to get the stuff that's going to be in the back? Oh, yeah. We should have brought a truck and a trailer, Ernest. I mean, I, we're going to have to get it home somehow, but we'll get it, okay? Uh, but thank you so much. I mean, the commons area is, is flooding uh, with stuff, and uh, we're happy about that. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the day. Thank you for an opportunity to come back in your house. And, Lord, the way our people just continue to pour out blessings on people, thank you for their, their heart of love and their heart of giving. And, Lord, I pray that you'd bless Ernest tonight as he speaks to us. Be with Dean as he comes to lead the music, Michelle and Linda as they play. And, Lord, I pray that the, uh, the videos, the audios, everything will work like it's supposed to. And Lord, we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Stand with us as we sing, To God Be the Glory. <clears throat> To God be the glory, great things he hath done. So loved he the world that he gave us his Son. It is life and atonement for sin, and open the life gate that all may 
Lord. Let the earth hear his voice. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let the people rejoice. <clears throat> to the Father, through Jesus the Son, and give him the glory. Great things he had done. Oh, perfect redemption, the purchase of blood to every believer, the promise of God, the vilest defender who truly believes. Moment. From Jesus a pardon receives. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Let the earth hear his voice. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Let the people rejoice. <clears throat> to the Father, through Jesus the Son, and give him the glory, great things he had done. Great things he had taught us, great things he had done. And great our rejoicing through Jesus the Son. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, let the earth hear his voice. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, let the people rejoice. Oh, come to the Father through Jesus the Son and give him the Most gracious and kind Heavenly Father, we thank you for being able to be in your house again tonight to worship you. Thank you, we th Lord, we thank you for Ernest that's coming tonight to speak to us. Just lay on his heart what you'd have him to say. We thank you for these tithes and offerings, God, that are about to be given. We ask you to bless the tithe and the tither. And may they be used for the advancement of your kingdom. Go with us now through the further part of this service. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.
Stand again with us and sing, Great is Thy Faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness, O God, my Father. There is no shadow of turning with thee. Thou changest not thy compassions, they fail not. As thou hast been, thou forever will be. Great is thy faithfulness, great is thy faithfulness, morning by morning new mercies I see. All I have needed thy hand hath
Jesus was telling his disciples about prayer. And he said, when you pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. Be not ye therefore like unto them, for your Father knoweth what things ye have need of before ye ask him. After this manner, therefore, pray ye. Listen prayerfully as I sing the Lord's Prayer. not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory privilege to introduce to you one of my preacher boys, the black sheep of our family, Ernest E. Hobby. Son, come right on up here. 
while Ernest is coming, if you have been to Cameroon, Africa, would you stand, please? If you've been to Cameroon, if you ain't able to stand, somebody will help you. Stand up. Hey, where is Lori? That's Lori there. <laughs> oh, I'm overlooking her. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. <clears throat> sure, sir. Thanks. You may be seated. Good evening. Good evening. Good evening. I usually say I'm the black sheep of the family, and literally so. <laughs> but it's good to be back. Uh, only God could do what he has done uh, in relationships like this. Uh, 20-something years ago, I met Pastor Kenny, and our lives and our ministry changed completely. I was uh, in Atlanta. I was supposed to travel that afternoon in my usual way, I woke up around 4 to pray. I was very tired, and after prayer, I thought I would go back to bed. But something kept telling me, you just need to go to the airport. And I went to the airport that morning and uh, sat, and I saw a bunch of guys coming in. They were just very rowdy, and Kenny was one of them. And uh, he was just, I thought he was a drunk. <laughs> and I'm thinking, this is... <laughs> This is early, and he sat just by me, and he wanted to talk. I was tired. I just wanted to sleep. In those days, 25 years ago, they served breakfast at the, uh, in er the plains. They served breakfast. I was really hungry. You know, I used to eat one meal a day. I just started our ministry. I didn't have any resources. And so they gave breakfast. I ate mine. Within two minutes, it was gone. Pastor Kenny looked at me and said, uh, my wife fixed me something this morning. Will you like to have mine too? I said, sure. I ate his too. And, uh, and when he was living, he kept asking questions. And I was wondering, who is this guy? He just wanted to talk and talk. I was trying to pretend I was sleeping, but you know, I just couldn't help him. So finally, I said, what do you do? So I told him what I do. They said, I'm a preacher. I'm a pastor. He gave me his card. And I just thought that would be the end of it. Uh, and before he left, he said, this morning when I left our church, somebody gave me some money. Uh, I think you were going to, was it Honduras? Or? Yeah. He said, uh, he says, you meet somebody. I don't know where, but you will know who it is. And just give this to them. And uh, he said, as soon as he saw me, he knew he had to give that to me. And it was $20, but 25 years ago, $20 was like, uh, $2,000 for us. Uh, we didn't have anything. Uh, I used to eat one meal a day. I will go to Shoney's. It was a restaurant called Shoney's. They would serve breakfast. I think it was $2.99 or $3.99. I would go there just at, about to close, and I would eat as much as I could till the next day. That's how I lived in those days. And uh, my life completely changed uh, when I met Pastor Kenny. He invited me over I was reluctant to come. I looked at the map. It was a small town, and I just thought, <laughs> I don't want to go there. But one Sunday, I was uh, somewhere in the area, and I decided I would just go worship with them. And I made sure the church had started. As soon as I walked in, they were worshiping. He saw me and said, come. He called me up, and after that, took me home, ate, and my life, uh, our lives have I've become an integral part of their family. And uh, I think, is Brody here? Yeah, here, Brody is here. Where's Brody? Brody. <laughs> hey, 
Brody was just a little, <laughs> little boy then struggling. <laughs> and uh, he's now a big man. Congratulations. <laughs> Congratulations. We need to talk after this. <laughs> Great. And, uh, but I've become part of that family. I even have a room there. I look forward to coming here every year. Only God can do this. The scripture says our steps are ordered by the Lord. And even when we fall, scripture says we shall not be cast down because God upholds us with his right hand. Amen. Each time I think about this, uh, I'm reminded of Corey Ten, what Corey Ten Boom said. She said, every experience God gives us and every person he puts in our path is the perfect preparation for the future. Only he can see. Every experience God gives us and every person he puts in our path is a perfect preparation for the future only he can see and um, uh, most of our support a lot of our support has come from pastor kenny and the church and now then it was earl's grove and this church we're really thankful uh, when i was coming in i think just two days ago was it yesterday i just said we'll need some mattresses some uh bed sheets and other things for our guest house and we just went back there and I'm just overwhelmed with your love. Uh, thank you so much. A scripture that comes to mind as I think of your generosity is Hebrews chapter 6, verse 10. And it says, God is not unmindful. Some version says he's not unfaithful. Other version says he's not unjust to overlook your labor, our labor of love. And uh, I'm praying that God will reward you. Uh, we may not be able to see some of this right now, but someday we will we'll see. Uh, Thank you so much for your generosity and thank you for your gift. As so much is going on, the last since I met Pastor Kenny, we've planted over 25 churches in the country. That's, uh, and some of these churches have in turn planted others. And uh, we're just so uh, thankful. One of those churches we planted eight years ago got burnt recently. The whole neighborhood just went on fire. In Cameroon, in uh, Yaoundé, a city of over 3 million there's only one fire truck. And before the fire truck came there, most of the place was already gutted. And they came, yeah, uh, uh, holes were all, you know, there was no water, nothing. Uh, but that's just uh, the country we live in. And I shared that need with Pastor Kenny. And within a week or two, we already had about $25,000 to rebuild the church with. Initially thought we'll just rebuild the church. Uh, where it was, we're renting a small piece of land that we'd used to make, build a makeshift building. And, uh, but a number of our leadership, Dr. Shu and a few others said, instead of putting this money into a temporary place, we should buy a permanent place. Uh, land in Yaoundé is extremely expensive, but as God will have it, a piece of land was available around the valley in a very sloppy place. We've uh, bought that and an architect is drawing plans. There's a church in Branson, Missouri, that is very interested in helping us build. They've said, you draw the plans and tell us what it will cost, and we'll see what the Lord will do. Uh, so thank you so much for your response uh, to that. That need is being met, and we're just so uh, thankful. Uh, another thing we're doing is our school in Douala, uh, which started because of our son with autism, uh, the school has grown to about 92 students and, uh, and uh, staff of 27. The ratio between students and staff is high because with special needs kids, you need just usually one-on-one -on -one 
or one to two. Uh, but God has blessed that effort too, and we're just so thankful. We just found a house recently. We're meeting in a small place, and Lynn will tell you, in America, a place like that will probably not house up to 25 kids. But uh, thankfully, we don't have uh, fire codes, laws, and all the rest. We house 92 students, but we've gotten to a place where we cannot grow anymore. Uh, we had to turn down students. So we've rented a place, and uh, by the end of next year, we should. our goal is to have at least 200 uh, students by the end of next year uh, in the new place. Uh, we're thankful. Another thing we're doing is a farm we're developing in the east of Cameroon among the Baka Pygmies. Uh, I usually say if you have a child and the child is 40 and the child is still dependent on you, sometimes you ask what, not just what is wrong with this child, but what did we do wrong? Mission is about 100 years in our part of the world since the first missionaries came. They were still dependent on support from the West. There's something wrong with the, the picture. And so what we're trying to do is build in such a way that we could also be at a giving end. And how do we do that? We're starting a number of what I call sustainable development. You know, uh, we've got arable land. There's no reason why anybody in Africa should starve. You could literally throw anything and it will grow. So we started a farm. We started with about 500 acres of virgin forest. We're doing everything. Pastor Kenny will probably explain to you everything is done manually. We're cutting down the trees, sawing, building with the woods. And uh, right now, I think this year we have over 100 pigs. Uh, within the next year, we should have a challenge right now is, you know, infrastructure. We have uh, about 200 pineapples on the ground right now. By the end of the year, we'll have about 300. Our goal is that by the end of next year, the farm should be able to pay more than 30 workers and over 30 families in the village that are dependent on that. So from 300,000 pineapples, we should be able to generate about $60,000 next year. We sell a pineapple at about 20 cents or a little more. And so God is blessing that. So in about five years' time, we're looking at a place where the work in that country itself can take care of itself. And thank you for making all of this possible uh, through your generosity and your prayers. Uh, this evening, I don't want to take much of our time. I just want to share with us very briefly from the book of uh, Matthew, chapter 9. We'll read just uh, three verses there. Somebody gave me a verse several years ago, which I'm yet to find in the Bible. But it says, Blessed are those who bring short messages, for they shall be invited back. <laughs> so, so I want to make it as, as sweet as possible, so next time I come here, I'll be invited back. Uh, if you turn with me, Matthew chapter 9, verse 36, all the way to 38. It's good to see Laurie here and a few others who have been to Cameroon. Laurie is my sister from uh, another mother. You know. <laughs> Laurie came to Cameroon, uh, was, was it 25 years ago? The first time, and uh, she was a trooper. We're just talking about some of the things I did when uh, Laurie was there. I will travel, with, you know, we just all kinds of things, but uh, we've matured. As I get older, I'm thinking, man, I can't believe I did all of this. But Laurie put up with me and Pastor Kenny, and I'm just so thankful. Um, Matthew chapter 9, verse 36, uh, it says, But when, but when he saw the multitude, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad 
as sheep having no shepherd. Then said he unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth laborers into the field. Let's pray. Father, uh, through these verses today, I ask that you speak to us, speak to me, and speak to your people. To the end that not only are we challenged, but that will be changed, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to speak to us very briefly this uh, evening on the subject I titled, Four Things God Expects from Us. Four Things God Expects from Us. How many of you know we all have expectations? We have expectations of our church leaders, of our government officials. We have expectations of our employers and our employees. We have expectations of our children. We have expectations of our parents. And for some of us, we even have expectations of ourselves. God also has expectations of us. His are constant. Our expectations are fluid. They're constantly changing. But God's expectations of us are constant. They're the same. God has expectations of the body of Christ. He has expectations of the church. They're constant. And I want us to look at four things God expects from us this evening from this passage. I didn't want to read the whole scripture, but if you read uh, Matthew chapter 9, it's a moving, moving passage. We see Jesus going about from, uh, scripture tells us he was going from village to village, talking about the kingdom, proclaiming the kingdom, that, that God's kingdom has come. And not only was he doing that, he was also doing miracles. He healed the woman who had uh, issues of blood for 12 years. He raised Jairus' daughter back to life. He did all kinds of things. And then suddenly, we come to a, a conjunction. And anytime you come to a conjunction, you need to look at that critically. It says, but, but, when he saw the multitude, he was moved with compassion. But when he saw the multitude, he was moved with compassion. What are the four things God requires from us? Number one, God expects us to see. Number two, God expects us to feel. Number three, God expects us to know. And number four, God expects us to do. Number one, God expects us to see. He expects us to see something. He expects us to see the multitude. The suffering around us. God expects us to see that woman who is struggling. And one of the things I like about Pastor Kenny is he's constantly saying, he's constantly moving. He's constantly doing things. God expects us to see the multitude that are starving. The multitude that are hungry to know him. He expects us to see them. And I could go on and on about that. But God wants us not just to see, he also expects us to feel. And that's where compassion comes. God expects us to feel something. He expects us to see something, but sometimes we just see and we settle at that. God expects us to move from seeing to feeling. He expects us to see, feel something, and that's when we're moved with compassion. The scripture tells us in Hebrews chapter 4 that God, the God we serve is a God who is touched with the feelings of our infirmity. He's a God who empathizes with us, who feels with us. 
And if we'll make a difference in our world, not only will we see, we'll also learn to feel, to have the compassion of Jesus Christ. The story is told several years ago of uh, uh, an award-winning photographer by the name of Kevin Carter. And you could Google his name up. Kevin Carter, uh, a photography, one of the pictures he took in South Sudan during the war, during the farming there, became a won an award that year. I think it was 1981 or so. You know, he took a picture of a young child who was skeletal, was about to die, and vultures was about... A vulture was about to come upon that child and consume that dying child. The child could not even move, was barely able to stand. And that picture won an award. You know, he spent 20 minutes trying to focus, trying to take that picture. He was so focused on his work that the sense of feeling was absent. His picture won uh, the award for the best photography that year. But a year later... Uh, less than a year later after that, he committed suicide. We're not sure why, but he came under a lot of criticism, you know, from every person. They were just like, how in the world could you? He had lost the sense of feeling. God wants us to come to a place where we can feel, we can empathize with others. He wants us to feel. He, number one, he wants us to see something. To see the multitude. He wants us to feel. And number three, God wants us to know something. Not only does he want us to see something, he expects us to see something, he expects us to feel something, but also that this passage progressively moves down where God expects us to know something. He wants us to know about the harvest, about the needs in the world. He says the laborers, the harvest is plenteous, but the harvest is few. Labor, the, the, the harvest is plenteous, but the laborers are few. God wants us to know that. He wants us to know that every day there are people dying who have never heard the gospel. More than there are about 7 billion people now, but over 2 million people have never heard the gospel. God wants us to know about this. He wants us to know. But not only does he want us to know, lastly, God wants us, expects us to do something. Number one, he expects us to see, to feel, to know, but he also expects us to do something. He said, what does he expect us to do? To pray. He said, pray ye therefore to the Lord. Pray. Nothing of eternal significance happens apart from prayer. When we pray, things happen. I know we live in a very rich culture where we've got everything. I woke up this morning, it never even occurred to me whether there will be water or whether it will be hot. And so you could get to a point where you just, you know, there's no need for you to pray anymore. I didn't even think whether there will be coffee. By the time I got up, my coffee was ready. That's, that's the culture we live in. That's the society. And we, sometimes we take that for granted and we become so dependent on things around us and we forget that God expects us to do something. He expects us to pray. You know, the last uh, song this evening was on the Lord's Prayer. The Lord's Prayer. Uh, you know, actually, that's not the Lord's Prayer. It's actually the disciples' prayer. The Lord's Prayer is actually found in the book of John chapter 17. In Matthew chapter 6, where you sang, was actually the disciples' prayer. Jesus 
you know, the scripture tells us that there was a certain time, you know, Jesus, uh, 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 one of his disciples looked at him in, um, in uh, Luke chapter 11, verse 2. It says, Lord, teach us to pray, just like John the Baptist taught his disciples. And he began by saying, when you pray, he didn't say, if you pray, he said, when you pray, pray like this. There he began teaching them what we call the disciples' prayer. And he was not just teaching them rituals, he was teaching them principles that when properly applied will not only change us, but change the world around us. He taught them what I call, you know, first he was teaching them principles. The first principle he taught them was that prayer is a relationship. He says when you pray, first he taught them how to pray. Sometimes we get our prayers are ritualistic. He says when you pray, do not pray like these people because their intention, their uh, reason for praying is so they could be saved. He said, but pray like this. And when you pray, begin by saying, Our Father. You see, God had given his people various names all through scripture. When they needed healing, he came, he revealed himself as Jehovah Rapha. You know, Jehovah uh, Shema, uh, El Shaddai, and all kinds of names. But in prayer, he revealed himself as a father. And what are the images of a father? The one you can rest on, the one you can depend on. He says, when you pray, pray, say, our father. But he did not end there. He taught them, the, other, the first principle was that prayer is a relationship with your father. But he moved down to show them what I call the necessity of prayer. He says, when you pray, say, our father, give us this day. Our dependence must be on him on a daily basis. Regardless of what we have, our dependence must be on God. Give us these days our daily bread. You know, then he did not end there. He taught them also what I call the hindrance of prayer. He said, when you pray, say, forgive us our trespasses. And one of those areas that we fail so often, the psalmist tells us, if I regard iniquity in my heart, God will not hear me. One of those areas is the area of unforgiveness. You know, he was teaching them. He said, when you pray, pray, say, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. You see, when we forgive, we often hear said that when we forgive, you're setting a prisoner free only to discover you're that prisoner yourself. But he also taught them what I call the finality of all prayer. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth. It begins here. On this earth that I am, we're earth. God's will begins to be done on, in us and then it extends to others. What are the things God expects from us? Number one, he expects us to see something. He expects us to feel something. He expects us to know something. But he also expects us to do something. And any church that makes a difference in the world is a church that sees that feels, that knows, and that does something. And that's what makes your church a unique church. You're not just seeing, you're feeling, you're knowing, and you're doing. How do we do? One of the ways you do is going like you come on short-term missions. You know, one of the ways Jesus taught his disciples is by sending them out. Not so much because of their maturity, but to move them towards maturity. When we go out, we grow for our, max, our maximum growth. 
When we go out, maximum good is done. And when maximum good and maximum growth comes together, you know what happens? God is maximally glorified. It's in going that we begin to experience other things. Our comfort zone, when we leave our comfort zone, things change. God expects us to do, to do something. Apart from prayer, he expects us to do something. I, I've told you guys a story when I first came to the state. One of, I enjoyed reading bumper stickers, and I still enjoy reading bumper stickers. I've almost had a few accidents just trying to read bumper stickers. You know, I love them. And one of my favorite used to be when it says, Honk if you love Jesus. Man, I'll just go behind people and I'll go pop, 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 pop. And I did not know I was getting on people's nerves, you know. You know, I just, I took things literally. And there was a time I, I went behind somebody, I honked, and the guy was jumping and raising his hand. I thought he was praising the Lord, you know. And, uh, you know, and I got excited. I thought, wow, another Christian. So I went beside him again and I honked. I thought so we could wave and talk. And boy, the guy just, I don't want to show you what he was doing and, uh, <laughs> in the church. And I went to work that day. I was, my supervisor was a Christian. And I said, man. And when I went close to him, he did that one more time and just sped off. Boom. And I thought, man, this is weird. So I went to work and I told my supervisor. My supervisor told me, Ernest, that was a, not a good sign. And uh, he, tr- he was trying to explain, but it didn't make sense. And it still doesn't make sense. But, uh, you know, and from that time I stopped honking when I see that sign. But I still love reading bumper stickers. And one of my favorite is the one that says, Think globally, act locally. That was probably taken from the book of Acts, chapter 1, verse 8. It's an environmental bumper sticker, incidentally. Say, think globally, act locally. The book of Acts, chapter 1, verse 8, basically tells us, I said, and you will be my disciples. You'll be my emissaries, my ambassadors in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and onto the uttermost part of the earth. It all begins, we begin doing at home. We start in our community, in our state, in our country, and then we extend it. And that's what has made this church a growing church. We're not just seeing, we know, we feel, and we're doing something. I thank you so much for being a part of what God is doing in our country, and I hope you can come back. Last year, you sent a couple of people here, and I'm trying to get them to come back again. Uh, I was telling somebody the other day, I said, we, you know, we like white meat, but we've not eaten anybody yet. So, you know, so we're not cannibals, I promise. So maybe a hundred years ago. And so uh, send them back again. We'll love to see them again. The school is growing. We'll love to see Miss uh, um, Lynn come again and help. We'll love to see Papa Kenny come again and help in the farm. But send them. It's only, somebody has said, the church exists by missions just as fire exists by burning. It's only in going that we begin to, God begins to grow us also. As we bless others, God blesses us. And thank you again for blessing us, for blessing our country, and for blessing me. My life has completely changed because of you. Uh, thank you. Thank you for being a part of what God is doing in our lives. And uh, thank you again, uh, church, for being a part of our support network. God bless you.
Let us stand. Turn. Hey. 